episode 50 with Amanda McGrew on the Nine Point Start the Dream podcast. Welcome to Nine Point Started with a Dream podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode, we have Amanda McGrew, former college basketball player and now the founder of Playoff Dating App cool platform to kind of help athletes connect so we go through her journey the ups and downs the battles and what she's doing now to today and hope you enjoy and let's get to it so amanda the question that everyone that comes on is when you're younger as an athlete what's one of your bigger bigger dreams or goals you want to achieve uh like you i will definitely say my number one goal was to go d1 um for as long as i can remember and when i was very little it was like i got to go to the WNBA. i had i had this pipe dream of like I got to make it to the absolute top pinnacle of my sport, be, you know, the best person, you know, the best basketball player anyone's ever, ever seen. Um, as I started older, things got put in perspective a little bit and I was like, all right, I just need to go D1. I need to be able to play D1, um, and make myself proud. My sister was actually two years older than me and she was a softball player and she went to play softball at Michigan state. So I remember telling myself once she signed, I was like, all right, I got to go big time D1. Like I got to go, I got to go somewhere big. I can't just go. I ended up going to the university of Rhode Island, which is mid-major. And there was this time where I was like a little bit disappointed. Like it was a competition, obviously, as everything our entire life has been, I felt like I lost. And now obviously looking back, I'm thrilled at my journey and where I've gone. Um, but I will say I was, I was disappointed. I was like, I gotta, I gotta do better than her, you know? So, but I'm thrilled we had that kind of relationship, you know? So, so curious. So for you, why don't you go D1? Uh, I think a lot of it was a pride thing. It was like, I wanted to be able to say I made it, I, I, I'm at the best level, you know, and I, I didn't, and it was, you know, no knock on anybody who goes the junior college route or the D2, D3, NAIA route. Like none of that is, is should be, you shouldn't be ashamed of any of that. But in my mind, I was like, I have to prove to myself and everyone around me that I am, you know, at this level. Mm-hmm. And as ridiculous as that may have may sound looking back as an 18 year old, I know why I felt that way, you know? I, I think we all do it. It's just like, yeah, because it, it, it's all glorified. Uh, you don't it, exactly. You don't hear the D two stories that often. You don't hear the D three stories. You always hear right. the D one. Right, but, and and honestly, like, I'm just thrilled that I grew up in a time where there was not a ton of social media. Like, yeah, if I was in high school when Instagram was out, I, I you just couldn't even live a real life that's genuine and authentic and and feel like you're doing okay. Everything you're doing feels like it's not good enough. You know. <laughs> You score, you score, you score, you score ten points. And you look online like somebody else scored fifty. And you're like, right, right. <laughs> like I'm not doing enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just a trap yeah. for sure. Awesome. So, so when you knew you had the goal, you know, you had the dream. How are you going about making it, make, making it a reality? Man, I, I, I lived and breathed basketball for for as long as I can remember. But I, I mean, it was one of those things where you like you're missing out on slumber parties you're missing out on you know play dates and you know going to the mall and going to parties and once I got to high school I was able to try to balance a social life but it, it was that was kind of the beginning of of academics I mean I don't want to say I can taking a total backseat but sports was the most important by far and away I even in looking in where I wanted to go to school to play in college it was like where do I want to go? What is the team like? What is the coach like? What is the facility like? What's the dining hall like? Very rarely was I like, oh, I wonder what, what I want to major in. Like that wasn't on my radar. Um, you know, I joke with friends now, even I tell them the story of even when I got to be a junior at URI, I remember having a meeting with my, with my academic counselor and she was like, all right, so you got to pick a major now. And I was like, already? 
And she's like, you've been here for two years. Like you have to figure this out. And I just remember thinking, I just want to play basketball. Like, why are you making me choose something? And, and for me, and I would probably say for most athletes, there's this, there's this idea of like, maybe I want to do this after, after college. So I'm like, why are you making me pick a career that I no, I want my career to be basketball. I want to do And And I'm saying that as a, as a female basketball player and Lord knows we're not making any money. So it's like, I wasn't planning on getting rich. I just wanted to play for as long as I possibly could, you know, and everything else was secondary to that. So, so you were like a ball of life forever. Life. Exactly. Exactly. It was like, it was like, I mean, it was like every day after school, every day after practice, if it was off season, I'm at the, I'm at the gym with my trainer. It was just kind of like, do what you need to do to be seen, to get to this level. I actually had a really good conversation with another friend of mine who was a baseball player and he was kind of disappointed about not playing in college. And I just remember thinking, I remember my mom and I sending out like, this was back in the day of like DVDs and even VHS tapes before that, where it was like, you're sending out footage to, to schools. And it's like, yeah, there, there are a ton of schools in, in California who might see me, you know, my high school team wasn't that good. My club team was good, but you got to like reach there. There's so many colleges out there. Like you got to reach out and, and find a way there's somewhere for you to play. Like if you were a functional member of your high school varsity team, and you hustle and you grind like you could you could find somewhere to play after high school I'm convinced and I remember my mom telling me she was like listen I did this with your sister and with my sister she was a little bit easier you know she had like Syracuse and Michigan coming on home visits and so I was definitely not at that level but she was like I kind of got a taste of it but she goes with you it's going to be harder and unless you're willing to put in the work and that means being 17 and being uncomfortable and and calling a coach on the phone and having to have a conversation that you really don't want to have to have but doing that and trying to, you know, show your interest in these schools and these people aren't going to come knocking your door down. So unless you're willing to figure it out, you're going to be on your own, you know? How about so that, that, that first phone call that you did? Oh my God. I mean, I would like to think I'm relatively personable, but man, I was like, just like shaking in my boots. I was like, oh my God, this is someone who could control my destiny potentially. And could, you know, it was just, and once you, I mean, like the head coaches were the most scary. The assistant coaches were always like a little younger, a little cooler, you know, you could, they could kind of relate to you a little bit. The head coaches, I was like, oh my God, like, I hope I'm saying the right thing. I hope I don't sound like an idiot, you know, but once I got the hang of it, it, it felt a little bit easier, but it still felt like a chore. It felt like something I just had to do. And it was the last thing I wanted to do as a 17 year old when I could have been going to the movies or going, you know, hanging out with friends or whatever, you know, it was just one of those things that not a lot of people around me had to do. And I was like, well, I guess this is what it is. So you were like cold calling at 17. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. And then luckily, I, luckily the club team I was on traveled enough to where, you know, we went to like Atlanta, Chicago, Virginia, Oregon. We went to plenty of tournaments. And club basketball is like that. It's kind of just like a hustle over the summer. So if you are even relatively good enough on your club team, like somebody will see you, you know? So you were getting those kind of like um, questionnaire you know, letters in the mail from, from colleges. So it was like, I knew there was interest, but I knew that I couldn't just sit back and see what happened. I had to kind of like hustle it up myself a little bit too. Awesome. So yeah. I know coming like, like my first call, I have a call, I think it was, I was calling Colorado to that. And I, it's, the, okay. it's after ACL stuff. I called the call, I think it was deep coordinator. I was like, Hey man. Yeah. And I, was, I was so nervous. I was shaking. And right. I was like, well, it was like late, so like they already had all the class. And I was like, he's like, well, you can maybe like walk on here. I was like, oh, okay. 
and I hung up. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm like, so like, yeah. So it was a good learning experience. So definitely. So, so for you, when you got time to make that, make that leap to the next level, how was that? How was that journey, you know, going from high school to club to actually being in that D1 level? Yeah, I think getting to college and, you know, starting the workouts, doing the whole preseason stuff, individuals and, you know, whatever. I think I realized pretty quickly that I looked around and I was kind of like, oh, everybody here was the best of their high school team. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Like you guys were all balling wherever you were from, you know, like it wasn't, you know, and not that I came in with any sort of ego. I, I was always kind of like a more understated, like I wasn't one of those like rah, rah in your face kind of players, but I think it was, it was kind of eye opening to, to get there and realize that everybody had a pedigree in high school. Everybody came from some sort of reputation. And I think for me, that was what was so exciting about going out of state and specifically going all the way across the country, that it was like, you can kind of create the narrative that you want now. Like this is, you know, I wasn't, I'm from Santa Monica, you know, a part of Los Angeles. And, you know, I, I could have gone to some schools up and down the California coast and I just wanted to get out. And I was like, I can kind of create my own journey now. You know, this is my own thing. And I thought that, that to me was really, really cool. And I, in being able to kind of make a name for myself in a way that I wanted to out there in a new place was kind of cool. And, and so, so it's kind of like, it's almost like that fresh start, that clean exactly. slate, clean slate. Exactly. Nobody knows. And I, and I, right. And I feel like it's kind of, I mean, it wasn't to say that my reputation in Los Angeles was bad or that I didn't like it. It just that I wanted to do something new. I wanted, I wanted to meet new people. I wanted to see a new environment. To be honest, I was really just, this sounds terrible because I love California. I was a little bit sick of it. And I was like, I need something different. I need, and I, people laugh at me, but my 18 year old self chose Rhode Island because they had a beach. And I was like, I got to go somewhere where there's the ocean. And everybody's rolling their eyes at me. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I just need the ocean. And I got out there and like an idiot, I was like, oh, it's cold like eight months out of the year. Okay. So nobody's at the beach. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, and but, hamburger. And yeah, hamburger. Oh man, I missed that too. <laughs> I was like, man, I'm struggling out here. That's but awesome. it was it was all worth it for sure, hundred percent worth it. So while you were there, what was like the biggest lesson you learned throughout that whole college journey? Um, I would say, and I'm still kind of learning this lesson, would be control what you can control. You know, I I I think for me, so when I was a senior, like I said, I tore my ACL. Uh, I was, I think it was six games into my senior year and I, my coach ended up being let go at the end of that season and we had a new coach come in. So I graduated, uh, in May, but I remember having to go into this new coach's office and, and basically ask her for a scholarship back because I had done my four years. I had a fifth year of eligibility. I had another year of eligibility, but, and so I had to go in and ask her and I was still not able to run because I was post ACL surgery and, you know, so I went, I walked in there and she basically looked at me and was like, listen, you've got, you've, you're in a class of six girls graduating. I've got new assistant coaches coming in and we've got seven or eight girls coming in. Like we don't have a scholarship for you. And I remember just like looking at her like, wait, what, what do you mean? And I was like, no, I go here. Like, what do you mean? There's no room for me. And I was so just taken aback that it was like, honestly, I went in there like it was a technicality. Like, oh, I just got to make sure I can come back. Like, just check that off the list. And she was like, no. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Um, and I think that the injury combined with like being told that I couldn't come back, that was kind of the biggest blow um, of my college career. And then having, I had to end up 
transferring uh, to a Division II school because I couldn't sit out two years and go straight. I couldn't go to another D1. So I went to UMass Lowell um, for my fifth year, which is up in Massachusetts, um, only about like an hour and a half away from Rhode Island. And basically that whole summer before I committed to UMass Lowell, I was emailing everybody in the Northeast, in that Northeast Conference of Division II and just like, hey, I got another year. Anybody got a scholarship? Like, I, I, I can send you footage, but I can't play right now. But I promise you I'll come back. Like, it was just like, I was just promising somebody that I would try hard. And, I, and I'll try to come back. And I, you know, like and you find, yeah, like all I need is, you know, I'll show up over the summer. Once I'm ready to play in August, I'll, I'll play pickup with you guys. I'll do whatever you want. And then finally, UMass Lowell was like, yeah, we'll take you. We got a scholarship. And I was like, oh, my God, perfect. And I literally just signed on before I even... Hadn't seen the school, hadn't been to the school, didn't care. I was like, nope, I'm in. I, I just knew that if I was like 40 or 50 years old, knowing that I had another year of eligibility left and I didn't take advantage of it, I would be, I would regret it more than anything in my whole life. You know, it would just be, because a lot of people said, oh, well, you already graduated. You know, you already have a degree. You don't have to, you know, like, like, what's the point? And I was like, what do you mean? What's the point? Like, the point is to keep playing. And the point, honestly, was to be able to make it to the top of the mountain after the ACL surgery and prove that I could again, you know? So to me, that was a no-brainer. It was like, oh, I'm not just going to get a regular job now. No way, you know? So, so with that, it was, it was, it wasn't, it was, more, was it like a pride thing, I guess, too? Like in the sense of like... 100%. Yeah. 100%, like, yes. It was I'm, like, no one's going to tell me that this ACL is going to be a career-ending injury. Absolutely not. I'm like, you, I mean, now, geez, now you got, you know, I know I'm, I know I didn't have the body or the resources that Adrian Peterson has, but like, geez, you got people coming back in like six months. And I was like, there's no way I'm not coming back from this. Like I, I need to prove to somebody that, that I can still do this at a high level. You know, I don't care if I got to wear this big, ugly braids. I don't care what you make me do. I will prove that I deserve to be out here still. You know, I hated that brace. So. Oh my God. That's like the death of me. <laughs> So, and finally, I'll never forget my trainer. My trainer looked at me and was kind of like, you know, this is a little bit more psychological than anything else. So like after I wore it for a year, she was like, you're allowed to take it off if you want. And I was like, can we go burn this in like a sacrimonial like <laughs> ceremony? I was like, I can't, I can't look at this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so you got the opportunity to really, you know, to push this thing to the next level, you know, like, or, or push it one more year. Right. But was it, in your mind, was it ever like the thought of the life after playing the game? Uh, I think once the injury happened initially, initially, and once I kind of got the, the no in terms of coming back to URI, I think that's when I started thinking like, okay, at some point this is going to be over. You do only have one year left. Like these nine to 12 months of this next school year, it, it's going to come to an end and you're going to have to figure out what you want to do. I, I really wanted to play overseas and kind of uh, just, and again, that was another pride thing where I was like, I just want to prove to myself that I can make it to the top of this game that I've committed my whole life to, basically. I just wanted, it was like, and it was less about proving it to anybody else. It was more about like, I knew I, knew I belonged and I wanted to make sure I wasn't looking at this from the wrong perspective. Like, I, I know I see this right. Like, I know I can be out there with these, with these women, you know, and so... I wanted to play overseas. So yes, I was thinking about it. So I, I got a degree in finance from uh, Rhode Island. And then when I went to UMass Lowell, I ended up getting a degree in marketing. And uh, my UMass Lowell coach is telling me, if you want to start a, a master's program, you can. Um, but obviously, it's going to be a two-year program, and you only have one year of eligibility. And that, again, is like, not necessarily a regret, because I'm glad I got my marketing degree. And 
the, the master's degree I would have gotten would have been in psychology and I had no background in psychology. They were just able to get me into that program. And so I, I declined that and I'm like, well, I could have had a master's, you know, but I really was more on the, I really want to be more on the business end. So had they been able to get me into the MBA program to get a master's in business, I probably would have done it and then stuck around for another year without basketball, which to me would have been a very mature decision because I didn't want to stick around without basketball. Um, but I think somebody in my life would have probably forced me like, don't be an idiot, you know, get this master's, you know, but once they told me they could only get me into the psychology program, I was like, I'm okay. I'll just, yeah, I'll do a second bachelor's. I'll be done at the right time. And then, you know, I'll try to do this overseas thing, you know? So I I think I was thinking, I was, it was more on my radar that I was thinking about life after basketball, but I was still so stubborn about, about proving to myself that I could make it to the highest level. You know, I knew the WNBA was not in my future and I was, I had totally come to grips with that and that was totally fine. Um, but I was like, no, there's enough women I know playing overseas that I know, like, I know I can play over there, you know? So it was kind of like, and I'm sure you've seen it too. It's like, you're looking at guys you grew up with and you're like, wait a minute, like, dude, are you kidding me? I can be out here. Like, come on. Like there, there's gotta be a spot for me somewhere, you know? So that was really more so what it is. Be like, help me help you. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So once it was all done, you know, basketball's over, you're graduating, you're walking across the state. What was your thoughts on what was next? So after, yeah, after the second graduation from UMass Lowell, I, tried, I got hooked up with an agent, tried my hardest to do the overseas thing. I spent that whole summer, you know, working out, trying to stay in shape, avoiding a job, which was, you know, regret number one. But just got... Just, really trying to pour everything, continue to pour everything into basketball. I ended up uh, being able to go over to Germany for the second half of a season to take over for a girl who had gotten injured, for an American who got injured. So I go over there, spend some months over there. It was great. It was a a very cool learning experience. Um, You know, I played well enough, but not as well as I thought I could have played. But once I came back, it was like, this weight had been lifted that was like, I don't even need to try to go back. I just felt like you did that, you checked that box and now you can like really move on with your life. I I was like, had I not gone over there and just, and even just seen what the competition was like, like I just wanted to be out there and be like, okay, like you know, I I feel like most people think about overseas basketball and they think of like love and basketball, you know, like you've got some girl walking around and everyone's like raving over her and she's, it's like, no, no, no. First of all, I look German. So I'm out there and nobody knows who the hell I am. Like nobody, everyone's like, okay, she's just a regular person. No one's famous. No one's getting rich, you know? So, I mean, some of the women are and they deserve to be, but not me. Um, so once I came back, it was like, cool, like I'm, I'm good. I can kind of settle back down in LA and figure out what I want to do. Um, and, and I had no regrets about it, which made me feel really, really good. Um, I knew, I know how intensely my mind can like overanalyze things like that, where I'm like, I should have done this and I should have done that. I should have gotten up an hour earlier and got more shots up or, you know, whatever. And I was totally at peace with it, which I knew a lot of athletes warned me about not being at peace with it. They were like, you could easily regret a lot of stuff that went on, you know, like how many nights did you go out in college and get drunk when you could have been doing this? And you can, you know, like it just, I just wanted to make sure I, I was, I was happy with, with how it ended. doesn't make it any less hard mm. uh, and doesn't make it any, you know, easier to kind of deal with, but I, my mind was at ease with the whole thing, which was nice. Um, and then once I, once I was home, 
I really had no idea what I was going to do because I really had no interest in being in an office with a finance and marketing degree. I was like, why did you do this, Amanda? What did you do to yourself? That cute um, And then a friend of, yeah, oh my God, I, I think I would die. I, I don't know if I could do it. Um, and then a friend of mine was an athletic director at a local high school um, and got me, basically called me up. I had known him forever. And he was like, I know you're home and I know you're poor. So you're going to coach softball for us. And I was like, oh man, all right, fine. You know, it's like an after school thing. I was like, all right, that's fine. Like it was a few months. Um, I ended up coaching. Um, you know, you get like a stipend of a few thousand bucks. And then, uh, and then he's like, well, we don't have any positions open for next year, but I can reach out to all these other athletic directors and see if they have any openings for PE teachers. Like, would you want to teach PE? And I was like, yeah, am I qualified to do that? And he was like, you played division one and professional basketball. Yes, you're qualified. I was like, okay, cool. Like sign me up. So basically, this is my eighth year now of teaching PE and coaching basketball at a local private school. Um, and I'm, it's like I, never what I expected to be doing, and yet still something that I love so much and something that gives me so much free time to be able to do side projects, like things I really want to do and are really passionate about. I mean, I'm talking to you at one in the afternoon, and I'm on spring break, so, so I'm feeling good. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So, so it's funny because, like, I think we, there's, there's this thing going around called life after sports. I feel like it doesn't like right. doesn't end after sports. You, know, you can kind of just find another, another, another play or another way to kind of be involved right. with it. Right, right. And, you know, I think some people, I've talked to some athletes, and I feel like some people want to distance, distance themselves from sports. And whether that be kind of like you still have some pent up like aggression towards like the way things ended or, you know, and everybody, like you said a while ago, everybody has a different journey and everybody experiences things differently. I mean, I couldn't imagine how I'd feel about basketball had my career ended at URI and had them say, you can't have your scholarship back. And that's just the end of it. I would probably hate basketball. I'd probably, you know, be harnessing so much aggression towards it and, you know, it would be horrible. But now because I was able to play it out the way I, the way I wanted to and kind of really, get every last drop of what I thought I was worth on the from a basketball standpoint and really kind of tap into that. I, I feel like I have so much of an appreciation for where the sport has taken me and how much I'm able to influence younger people, you know, in the sport. I, I train kids all the time and I was coaching high school for six years. So it's just like, and I think women specifically, I feel like I, I'm all about, you know, empowering women through sports and trying to help them kind of navigate life that way. And it's, it's like so it's, it's very, it's empowering for me too. You know, it's kind of like, wow, I didn't really realize that this little, this little game that you thought was so fun a long time ago has turned into like, this is such a huge part of your life. And I couldn't imagine myself at 50 years old, not somehow still being involved, you know? For sure. And I know that I can relate a lot to like that whole about not liking the sport, just wanting to get away from it. Kind of want, like after ACL, right. I hated high school football. Like, like I couldn't watch, yeah. like I couldn't watch the game to save my life. Yeah. I was like, no. Right. So, right. I get it. And, and it's like, whether it's like anger, frustration, like jealousy, that people are out there and you can't be out there. It's like, you just want no part of it. It's like, just, just, I, if, if it's not going to be here for me right now, I want, I can't even look at it, you know, like, no. and that's tough. That's tough. So let's go into this app you got here. Playoff. Playoff, man. Yeah. It, it. It's kind of funny because, I mean, basically everyone's like, oh, how did it start? And I'm like, how do you think it started? I'm single and online dating is like the way of the world and I'm just not that good at it. Like, I was like, it, it just sucks, you know? I, 
everyone laughs because I hate online dating and I ended up creating an online dating app, but it was really just out of necessity. You know, I, I got back to LA at that point in, in the last, whatever, five to seven years, online dating had become so much more of the norm. And it was like, this is just how people meet. And my life quickly took a turn from, okay, you're around hundreds of athletes a day and these are your best friends. And like, this is your entire social circle to now you work with kids and you're lucky if you see like one, you know, one or two other men that are even like remotely in your age range or, you know, just, you just weren't in the same demographic. So I was like on these dating apps and finally all these like niche apps started coming out. So now it's like, okay, you got an app for Jewish people. You got an app for Christians and farmers and black people and gay people. And I'm like, okay, I don't fit into any of these groups. Like what, like, what do I do? And I remember thinking to myself one day, if you had to identify with one group of people, you know, I'm not super religious, like, like who would it be? And I was like, athletes, hundred percent. Like no matter what, I feel like I connect better with athletes than anybody else. Um, and I was like, that's gotta be out there somewhere. Like, there's no way that's, that has to be out there. So finally, I think a year went by and I just kind of like let it go. And I said, you know what, if it's out there, I want to be on it. So I'm going to mm -hmm. go find it. And so I looked it up, I did a bunch of research and I was like, no, there's like a bunch of apps, for, dating apps for like fitness loving people, people who like to lift weights, people who do CrossFit, people who just hit the gym, whatever. Um, but nothing that verifies your actual level of athletic competition. And I was like, there's something about, in my mind, there's something about playing sports after high school that kind of flips some switch in your mind that is like, you now, like, you now see athletics and the world in a different way. Like I, whether it's like, and listen, like I didn't make up this notion that like, you know, fortune 500 companies and CEOs look for a former athletes to, to be in charge of their businesses. Like these are all intangible qualities that somebody else decided athletes have. Now, do I agree with it? A hundred percent, but am I the one promoting it? No, I just, I, I just, I believe it. You know, I think athletes have special qualities. Now that's not to say non-athletes don't have those qualities and it's definitely not to say that every athlete has them because we all know that, that there's athletes who don't you know mm -hmm. so it, it's i think i've been trying to walk this line of i think athletes are very special now i don't think that means i think athletes are better than anybody else you know i just think they connect they can connect with each other on a level that is very genuine and very organic and they can formulate strong relationships based on that i mean everyone wants to have a relationship where they have something in common with somebody else, you know, starting a relationship in that, from that perspective is always special, you know? So once I really got this notion of like, maybe I'll do this. Like that was, that was kind of like, that was actually spring break. So at this exact moment, two years ago, I was like, well, you got two weeks off. Would you really do this? Like, look this, start looking it up and see how much it's going to cost you. And you know, and it went from everything, okay, I'm looking up how much it costs to create Tinder to like, how, I, I went from scratch. Like I literally have no business being in, in the tech world. You know, I was like, all right, you got to figure it out. And I will say a lot of that is, is attributed to my, to my athletic career. You know, like having this perseverance to be like, well, listen, you don't know anything about this, but you're definitely not going to let somebody look at you and say, you can't do it. Like, I'm going to be like, okay, watch me, watch me. Watch me work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, I just basically looked up app developers and reached out to a ton of people and got quotes and, you know, figured out how much it was going to cost and landed on somebody that I really liked. And, um, we started in July of 2017 and we ended up launching in December of 2017 and it has been live for, I think, so I think we're at almost a year and a half. Um, and I mean, since then it's been like just such a crazy journey of like 
I have no idea how to do this. Okay, let me figure it out. I have no idea how to do this. Let me figure it out. You know, like I'm reaching out to people who, like literally anybody and everybody who can help me. I'm like, yep, I need your help. I want advice. I want criticism. I want all of it, you know? And I think for me, the biggest thing, my biggest asset is being well aware of the fact that I don't know very much. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I, I've been told that a lot of people who get into these like entrepreneurial roles and, you know, trying to create businesses have these egos about them that is like, oh no, I got it. Like, don't worry, I got it. Like, I know what to do. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't know anything. So please, whatever you have for me, I want it, you know? And so I think that has helped me a lot because it just comes from, a pl- from an innocent place of, of wanting to gain all the knowledge and information that I can. And knowing that I'm not the smartest person in the room right now in this industry, you know? So if somebody can shed a little light on the marketing or the promotion or the, you know, development or, you know, or the advertising, whatever, I'm all ears and I'm ready to listen. And I, by no means do I think, do I, I think I have this all figured out, you know? That's awesome. Cause yeah. like, it's funny. Cause like I was in the same boat. Cause like, I don't know how to date at all. Like I'm like, I have no clue about this. Stuff. Right. And, and, and like in my phone, I have like to I have like this like animation tab and, and, I, and I put Tinder for athletes. So now. Oh I'm my like, God. That's so funny. So I'm like, perfect. We got it. She, she, she right, did it. Right. Some, somebody did right. it. So, you so know, what's funny. funny. I, I will say like in, so basically I have, I'm super grassroots in terms of my marketing. I'm like reaching out to people on Instagram. Like, I mean, we found each other. Mm-hmm. I'm reach. I'm like emailing former coaches. I'm just like, the, the, the quick, I mean, I wouldn't even say the quickest cause it's not that quick, but the free way to get, just get the word out there and just trying to hustle it up as best, as best as I can. The response from like 90% of the athletes is like, Oh my God, my roommate and I were talking about that like two years ago, how that should exist. And I'm like, dude, I know, like, I, I agree. Now and honestly, I'm, I'm just thrilled that I was able to see it, see it through and, and bring it to fruition and, and provide that for anybody who thinks it's even relatively valuable, you know, Definitely. like I'm, thrilled that's awesome for me You're doing big things man so. thank you i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying so so how do you progress with this thing so what's like your your big picture goal with everything um i think one of my you know i have a hard time giving uh like giving myself goals to hit in terms of user numbers right now we're we're just about at five thousand users um and, and i think it's great although i think it's difficult to say because you know if you sign up and you are in you know, Fargo, North Dakota, there may not be a lot of people around you right now. So that's kind of tricky. Um, obviously, I, the word is definitely spreading, which is super fun to see. Like when I see people signing up and they have no connection to me or I've never met them, I'm like, oh, cool. This is someone, this is a stranger. That's awesome. Um, you know, we have, some, we have a lot of overseas players right now. So I think instead of a number of, of users that I want to hit, I really want to get it to the Olympic Games in 2020 and have, and I mean, that to me would be super dope. Like I would like that to me would be awesome. So it's nice because there's like a little bit of space between now and then, and I can kind of get my feet wet and figure out what I'm doing. And, you know, I can go like last year, I went to the men's final four and tried to get as many, you know, male coaches out there on it. Um, you know, I, I think like track meets and swim meets would be huge because there's so many schools in one place at one time. Um, I mean, a ton of different ways that I want to market it, but the real, the real pipe dream goal is like, man, if I could get this to be big at the Olympics, I would be like, it could take off. The village, you know, right. Just, just so, game so I, right. So I remember, so I remember seeing, and I remember reading an article years ago about the Olympic village and how big Tinder was and how it was just like, basically just a, a mass dating ground for like, kind of creepy, but like, yeah. it just is insane, you know? And like, and so I was like, man, if, could you imagine that if instead of Tinder, it was playoff? Like I was like, that would be like next level. Next level. You're getting yeah. 
you have on users you're getting right i mean you and like I, all i all i'm really looking for right now like in the immediate is like one or two athlete kind of partners who can maybe invest a little bit of money or or even just kind of use their network and their name to kind of want to help spread the word because really i think there is a tipping point where it'll re like now listen the other the other part of this is that now do i think lebron james or some or not even blake griffin or some single athlete or some like if you're in the nba you're probably not the demographic they were looking for because do you have any trouble finding a date i doubt it you know that's not really now does that mean i wouldn't want you to help me spread the word no that'd be great but i think trying to keep in perspective that like this is for the the this is for the current or former athlete who may not be in the limelight who may not even be involved in sports anymore and who just doesn't find themselves surrounded by athletes like they were at one point in their life you know Mm -hmm. and even if they use it as a way to connect with other athletes in their area to play pickup games right i'm like you know i don't care what you use it for but, or to network to find a job or, you know, whatever. I feel like it's just so valuable to have all those people in one place on the same platform to be able to communicate. It's like, that to me, I think is, I mean, my, my, I had this really crazy dream of like, okay, one day this is going to be like the Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, like platform, all of social media for athletes in one place. I, I don't know if that's even reasonable to think because I know nobody wants to just be on another social media platform. Nobody wants to check 15 things a day. But in my mind, I was like, that would be really cool to be able to have all these people in one space. You know, you'd have companies wanting to advertise to all these people. You know, I just think it, to me, it sounded like a no brainer, you know, whether it's just dating or not, I thought it was kind of cool. And be cool because like say someone like, Hey, I need to have me at least a six, five child. So, hey, are you 6'8"? Okay, I'm 6'2". Right. Maybe like, hey, I'm not 6'8 or 6'2". So right, I right. Any claim for that, but yeah. <laughs> but you're like, we got this. Right, <laughs> right. You know what's funny? The other thing that a lot of my, a lot of male friends that I knew that got on the app were like, dude, these women are so tall. And I'm like, but think about how hard it is for them to date because mm-hmm. they're not playing basketball or volleyball anymore and they're 6'3". And like working in the office isn't going to help them, you know, find someone who in their mind what they're looking for you know so and obviously not every woman on there is huge but like I I wasn't surprised to see that be kind of like the the general standard at the very beginning because people I mean you know you have the other thing is like you're the things you look for in a partner could easily change from when you're 22 to you know 30 you know so I'm 32 and it's like yeah I'm definitely not looking for the same things in a in a in a guy that I was looking for when I was 18 you know it's just going to shift no matter what and I think that's normal. Um, but I think the one thing that will stay steady is that I, I need someone who, who has, and listen, do I need you to be some, you know, superstar NBA player? No, absolutely not. But do I need you to have some sort of appreciation for my lifestyle and the way I've grown up? Yes. You know, so where, whatever that looks like in somebody else, that'd be great. But I figured playoff could help people find that a little bit quicker. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, making connection. That's what it's all about, you know? Right. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. So right right now, if you were talking to, I guess, like any athlete that wants to maybe look into building their own venture, what would be your word of advice to give them? I would say, don't be embarrassed to ask questions because that is one thing that we as athletes have, have not been trained not to do, but just kind of, you, you always have to kind of have that game face on and like, act like you know what's going on. And like, and like maybe in, maybe in the background, I'll figure it out later. And I realized that like, I don't need to put on this face of like, I know what the tech industry is all about because I don't. And, and I think the, the one, the most confident thing, the thing that I'm most confident in regarding playoff is that 
I know that if I stood in a boardroom of, you know, 50 men who are all, you know, 60 years old and rich and white and looking to give me money, it's like, I, I, I'd be so uncomfortable, but I know at the end of the day, I am the tar target demographic. So I know why this will be successful. You guys might not understand it, but I know why. Mm. So I will have full, I have full confidence in that. And now listen, if I can't tell you what's going to work in terms of the marketing and your return on investment and like all the other things that you're going to need to know, I will ask all the questions I need to ask to get that figured out. And I, and I promise we'll get there, but I have no doubt in my ability to explain why this would be successful, you know, because it's for someone like me. Exactly. I love that. You know, I love that. so, so two more questions for you. So just like social media wise, where, where are you at? Oh my God. That is like the death of me. I am so <laughs> bad at it. I'm, and like people who know me kind of giggle because I don't even post on my own personal social media. Like I don't, I am like, I'm invisible. So I started doing it on my own and I was like just trying to get people to post to send me pictures of themselves in the playoff shirt or whatever. I just didn't know what to post. I didn't have enough content, you know, and I was doing okay. But finally I got a social media company to help me out. Um, and they've been great. And so now I'm like gaining followers, gaining a little more traction. Um, and I feel like, like coincidentally, that's, that's turning into more DMs and, and people finding me like you. And it just, it feels like it's much more organic and like it's rolling the way it's supposed to be, which makes me feel so happy. Um, and it like makes me like take a step back. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I'll respond to DMs and I'll like comment on PM, but like the posting and the coming up with what's the post. Yeah. Can't do it. Like I, I don't. And, and now I'm lucky enough to have gotten to a place where I am funding it all myself right now. So th that's kind of scary, but to be able to pay somebody a little bit of money to take that stress off of me, I'm able to reach out to far more people because I'm not so worried about what's the next picture I'm going to post and how many likes is it going to get. And, you know, I think I've, I've given up the control of that, which is like, just makes me feel much more like I can focus on the things I want to focus on. Right. So that's nice. Almost, almost like becoming a CEO type stuff. Right, exactly, exactly. So I'm thrilled with how it's been lately, which is great. Um, and that, and that's actually only been, I think that's only been like a month, a month and a half. So it's still at the very beginning, but it's kind of just trying to build that brand awareness where like, you know, they say like the aesthetic of your page has to look a certain way and all the posts kind of have to look alike and kind of have this flow to it. And I'm like, oh my God, if you scrolled up and like saw what was going on before this company came around, I looked a hot mess. So, I mean, anything they're doing is, is helpful for me. So that feels really good. Awesome. So, so what's, so what's the handle for, for playoff? Uh, the handle is at playoff dating app and on Twitter, it's just at playoff, uh, at playoff dating. Awesome. Yeah. So man, that's great. It's been great having you on just kind of learning your story and just what you're about. I mean, I think this is some next level stuff. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I think I, I will say, I think the response from athletes like you current or former is really what motivates me to keep going. Like, I think I always kind of knew in the back of my mind how cool it could be, but hearing that confirmation from other athletes, whether they are involved in sports anymore or involved in business or, or just, you know, doing their own thing, hearing them like, oh yeah, that's a super dope idea. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? Thank you so much. I can't believe you're saying that, you know, it's just confirmation. So that's awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. No brainer. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. I know you're going to go back to enjoying spring break life it up absolutely and the sun is out so i gotta get outside <laughs> awesome well good after your day and talk soon all right thank you so thank much you. have a good one 
Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With a Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.